sage and fighting the fight. He has fought cities. He has fought counties, politicians, naysayers. Hell, he's even fought mayors. Thank you for listening to Sage and the Houseless Movement, a weekly show dedicated to the news and views of the homeless locally and worldwide. And all other things considered homeless? Yes. Broadcasting live from your Alexa device, the Radio Free Network app, iOS, WMBU.org, Many Voices United, and the Radio Free Network.com. And now, from some wooded area in Akron, Ohio, here is Sage of the Rage Lewis. Man, I am on top of the world. <laughs> you know, here's the thing I, we get rewarded for bad behavior. We do. We take drugs and they feel great. And you're like, wow, man, those drugs feel great. We have unprotected sex and it feels great. You're like, oh, ah, that's the greatest. We get drunk, it feels great. Uh, I've never done this, but I can imagine it feels great. We steal something and you're the rush of the stealing. We get rewarded for bad behavior. And it's like it's here on social media, too. It like, you know. I know if I put something provocative out on social media, you guys are going to start commenting on it. And the next thing you know, it's going to zoom to the top of Facebook. All my friends are going to see it. And then and then uh, and then I get paid off like there's. There's something a little wonky about how, hold on, I got to just, it bothers me that that little piece of white on the side of the image is there. (laughs) Like, we're getting paid off with these receptors in our brain. And I'm not sure it's like the best biological evolution right okay so let's let's oh my god and then i have the receptors where i want to murder my dogs for just barking at nothing because they're so bored out of their brain sparky clarabelle hush up now hush up you know that's why they had hush puppies that's what i heard they sent out they fried bread and threw them at their dogs and said hush puppy that's what i What are the receptors in your brain that go off when cool stuff happens? I love Google. I love, like, uh, no, 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 no. Okay. What receptors in your brain are affected with social media? Okay, here. Let's just look at this. Where is my thingy? Okay, hold on. Okay. And where am I? There I am. Okay. So it says in the last 15 years, social media has become a, such a pervasive part of our lives that we don't even notice how much time we're spending on it. Reports we spend 135 minutes on social media each day. Whatever. Who are those losers only spending 135 minutes? I can do that on on uh, TikTok alone. Following an upward trend of increasing time spent on social media raises the question, what's the effect Comparison is the thief of joy. Okay, I don't know. Okay, let's see. 
the, the University of Pennsylvania study examined how social media user uh, use causes uh, fear of missing out. FOMO. FOMO. You, you've ever heard of that? FOMO. <laughs> One group of participants limited their time on social media to 30 minutes a day, while a control group continued to do Facebook, Snapchat, and Instagram is used. The researchers track the persistence of social media time automatically. After three works, the, the participants who limited social media said they felt less depressed and lonely than the people who had no social media limits. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, using less social media than you normally would leads to significant decreases in both depression and loneliness. Okay. Uh, brain chemistry leaves us craving more likes. Neuroscientists are studying the effects of social media on the brain and finding the positive interactions trigger the same kind of chemical reactions caused by gambling and recreational drugs. That's where I was headed on this. That's where I was headed. According to the article, uh, when you get a social media notification, your brain sets a chemical messenger called dopamine. Dope. Dopamine. Makes you a dope. Dopamine. A long reward pathway, which makes you feel good. Dopamine is associated with food, exercise, Love, sex, gambling, drugs, and now social media. <laughs> Variable rewards schedules up the ante. Psychologist B.F. Skinner, I remember that guy first described this in 1930s, when rewards are delivered randomly, as with slot machines or positive interaction on social media, and checking for the reward is easy, the dopamine triggering behavior becomes a habit. A habit. Like all these things. Spending too much time on social media isn't just a bad habit. It can leave real consequences. Shows we're basically carrying around a little dopamine stimulators in our pockets. So it's not surprising we're constantly distracted by our phones. A TED video explains that social media makes us bad at multitasking. It calls phantom vibration syndrome. Oh, I have that. When you feel like your phone's buzzing, even though I have that. Do you have that? I have that. I totally have that phantom vibration thing where my I feel like my phone is buzzing in my pocket and it's not. Just like a gambling or substance addiction, social media addiction involves broken, broken reward pathways in our brains. Interesting, broken. Social media provides immediate rewards. Immediate. Yes. In the form of attention from your network, from minimal effort, through a quick thumbs-up tap, before the brain rewire, therefore the brain rewires itself. Rewires it. Making you desire likes and retweets and emojis and so on. According to Ted, 5 to 10% of internet users are psychologically addicted. Can't control how much time they spend online. Can't control it. Brain scans of social media addicts are similar to those of drug-dependent brains. There's a clear change in the region of the brains that control emotions, attention, and decision-making. To make matters worse. Hi, Michelle. To make matters worse, according to Ted. The reward centers in our brains are most active when we're talking about ourselves. <laughs> oh, that's why I'm here. <coughs> okay, yeah. Okay. In real life, people talk about themselves 30 to 40% of the time. Social media, it's all about showing off your life. So people talk about themselves a whopping 80% of the time. When a person posts a picture, gets positive social feedback, it stimulates the brain to release dopamine. Which again rewards behavior, perpetuates the social media habit. Okay, so here, check it, check it out, 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 check, 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 check. So here's the deal. I believe this, and I'm pretty sure this is science, but I don't know. What do I know about anything? What do I know about anything? Okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. 
there are people that I think are more susceptible to addictive things than other people. I watched a guy, uh, I mean, I wouldn't classify him as a friend. I've, I've met him, so I do have murderous tendencies when my dog barks like that. Why is that? Claire Bell, hush up now. I will not murder my dog, I promise you. <laughs> it just drives me nuts, the barking. Anyways, um, um, it's about nothing. The the pro the you the dogs are supposed to bark when we're under attack. They everything they think is an attack, and so therefore it becomes useless. Their attack mechanism. Telling me when things are when we're under attack, I'm like whatever. We're always under attack according to you. So okay, so look, I was listening to this guy, this associate of mine, maybe someday a friend. He was on TikTok. He's got a TikTok, and he said, "Look, I was addicted." to whatever drug he was addicted to before I was born. He said, before I was born. Bam. I'm like, that is crazy. And we know that's true. Alcoholics come from alcoholic families. We know it. We know that's the case. People that come from alcoholic families have a higher likelihood of becoming alcoholics. Let me see if I didn't. Do people from alcoholic families have a higher likelihood of becoming alcoholics themselves? Uh, here we go. There we go. It says, jeez, old Pete. One in five adult Americans have lived with an alcoholic relative while growing up. That's 20%. In general, these children are at greater risk for having emotional problems than children compared with non-alcoholics. Alcoholism runs in families, and children of alcoholics are four times more likely than other children to become alcoholics themselves. Most children of alcoholics have experienced some form of neglect or abuse. Alcohol runs in my family. Runs in my family. Okay. Uh, I would not say that my parents were alcoholics themselves, but they did love their drink. They loved it. They loved it. My dad had to quit drinking. He quit drinking. I quit drinking. My son has never seen me drink, okay? He did not grow up in an alcoholic family, but he grew up with an alcoholic father. I don't really love the word alcoholic, but whatever. I'm not afraid of it. Whatever. You can use whatever word you want. You call me. I don't care what you call me. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> I do love dinner. Um, so I would say that my son and I, okay, I'll tell you this. Let me give you a story of my son. He got his wisdom teeth out and he was very nervous. He came out of that and uh, it's kind of, it was fun at the time. And it's probably still fun to record a person coming out of their drug induced haze. And he wanted me to record him. He said, record me when I come out of, I want to see what I'm like. And, uh. I so I did. And I was like, so how'd it go? And he said with his mouth totally stuffed with cotton and totally blitzed out of his brain from whatever they give you when you get your wisdom teeth out, he says, Ten out of ten, I would do it again. 
That's what he said. 10 out of 10, he would have his wisdom teeth out again. Right there. He's like, bring me back. He literally said, he's like, take me back. Let's go again. And I said in my head, I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. He tasted it. He tasted it. Not alcohol, but the escape. And I'm telling you, I have a feeling that, you know, there are people that want to escape. And I'm one of them. And I would imagine my son could be one of them, too. And uh, I don't, you know, I, he's, as far as I know, he's never drank alcohol. He's a 17-year-old boy. I guess at any point in time, that could be. I'm always telling him, don't drink and dive. Uh, never, you know, if you ever don't get in a car with a drunk driver, just call me. I will come and get you. No questions asked. No big deal. Just do not drink and drive. Take an Uber. Call me. Whatever. I will hook you up. No big deal. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, I just wouldn't be surprised if, like, he finds the deep, passionate love that I have for alcohol. <laughs> I quit in uh, 2003. In June, I believe, June. Uh, so what? That's going to be my 19th anniversary coming up, and I have not touched it. I have not touched it, and you know why? Because I've had friends that have touched it after decades of going, and they just go right back. And I swear to God, I, I, I feel like I could pick up right where I left off, like it was yesterday. I still dream about drinking. I fantasize about drinking. The only thing that saves me really is that I have developed over these years uh, instantaneous um, impulse control. Like, I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate the hangovers. I don't want to be that for my kid. Um, I love who I am right now. I'm living, living such a much more full life. Blah, 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 blah. So I have all of these mechanisms in place to stop me from drinking. And every once in a while, I run across a, a person who quit drinking for years and then started up. But I am going to start drinking if my dogs don't stop barking at nothing. Shush. Ugh. Drives me nuts. Yeah, you. Yeah. It's like. Mm. <laughs> Having a very important show over here. Anyways. Um, when you are an addictive personality, have addictive traits and that type of thing, you absolutely cannot just be like, and now I will no longer be addicted to anything. No, 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 no. First thing I did was when I, uh, stopped, I stopped everything. I stopped drinking, smoking, and drinking coffee. They were all intertwined together. I, you know, I started with two pots of coffee a day, got done with my first pack of cigarettes by the end of work, and then finished off my uh, whole another pack of cigarettes between work, off of work and to bed. You know, that was like my life. And, um, so I just was like, I got to quit the whole thing. And, um, so... When I quit it, the first thing I did was I built a uh, home movie theater. I renovated the third floor of our we have you know third floor of our uh, uh, attic, and I made a my drink of choice. Kevin McCartney was 
beer, Budweiser, in a bottle, long neck, loved it. About, I, uh, I would buy a case, which is 24, 24 bottles of beer on the wall. Now, I would start on, the, normally my favorite drinking day was Friday, and um, I would start at about three or so. And um, I would drink that first 24 bottles of beer, and then I would head out, and then we would go to the bar later on, about 10 o'clock. And then, I'm, and mind you, I never ate. I never, ever ate. That would be stupid. Why would you ruin all that beautiful hard work you did by swallowing 24 bottles of beer by ingesting food? That's a stupid idea. And then I would go to the bar for a while, and I would hang out, and then we would go to Denny's or something, and we, I would eat, like, Late, like two o'clock, three o'clock, and then that was my day. That was awesome. <laughs> um, I would occasionally do shots, but mostly I liked drinking beer because I knew exactly where I was. Um, I knew how drunk I was, and if I was drinking shots, I would sometimes black out. I I didn't. I wasn't in complete control of of my. Uh, you know, I I just. I, I didn't want to, I could get really, really, really drunk. Um, and it's not that I had anything wrong against getting really, really drunk. I mean, that was my whole point. But I just liked the whole thing. Um, yeah, beer. Anyways. So uh, that was it. But what I will tell you is, is uh, the first thing I did was I built that theater to take my mind off of it. And uh, then not long after I started training for a marathon, I ran three marathons. I ran Chicago. That was my first, my favorite. Then I ran Pittsburgh. That's hell. That's absolutely, absolutely hell. Yeah, crazy shit indeed. Um, and then I ran Akron, my hometown marathon. Ran three, three, three marathons. And uh, I really wrecked my left side of my body. And then what happened was I was still running... But then I got on antidepressant medication, and um, that leveled me out so great. And I've been on that ever since. I'm at 40 milligrams of citalopram, which is uh, Cialis? I don't know what it is. Citalopram is just the generic name of it. I don't know, but I love it. 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 I'm almost out. I got to get back to the doctor and get me some of that delicious goodness. It takes the edges up. So running is nice because it it it's um uh it it it's 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 really sharp peaks. Like it can really it can really make you feel great, but then it comes crashing down quite soon. What's up, Thomas? It is good to see you. It is good to see you. Uh, and Citalopram just really has done a wonderful job of just leveling me out. But what you need to know is, and why did that get dark like that? Thank you. Okay, so uh, the the thing that you need to understand is that I'm always trying. I'm always putting things in that place. Um, so I, I drink all day, and now I don't usually drink Diet Coke all day. I drink a couple of these, but I drink uh, Lipton tea. I drink tea and i love it because it doesn't get me too jacked up on caffeine i never seem to get uh, headaches sometimes i can get headaches if i drink too much of like uh, like pretty high caffeinated stuff which i think this is 
So I can drink that all day. I'm a drinker. I love ingesting things. So I have a I have an oral fixation. So I always have to have something going in my mouth at all times. And uh, a hot tea is my choice of uh, and spin for you know going on 20 years. I used to hate being a teetotaler, but now I'm fine with it. Whatever. Genghis Khan was a teetotaler, and that guy was a gangster. That's what somebody told me once. It really helped me out. Um. So, what you got to know is that I think people like me, and all of us are on a scale of all this stuff, right? But people in my camp that are addictive, I think those dopamine hits mean more to us somehow. Like... Like either I get more of it or I need it more or something. I don't know. I'm obviously not a doctor. I'm making all this up. But I I do know that I need stimulus. (laughs) You know, like I need stimulus. And um, like it, I'm 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 on the third season of um, Ozark. Is it Ozarks or Ozark? Do you know that show? Really love it. Really love it. And um, their life is just so crazy. And I don't know that I can handle that life. Like, that looks even too stressful for me. But I totally get it. I totally get why you would want to be in with the cartels and making all that money and moving things and, 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 and the risk of it. Um, risk takers, I guess you would call us, right? Is that is that what you would call us risk takers? Let me see what if I What makes a person a risk taker? Okay, let's see if I can figure this out. Uh what does it mean at work? Cautious person, risk taker. They have a sense of adventure. Once they decide they like to do it, they're impatient to get started. They make decisions relatively quickly. They're comfortable making executive decisions on the spot. They're more accepting of failure. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Extreme. They may be. They may have it in the extreme. Ask forgiveness, not permission. That's just my modus operandi, baby. In the extreme. Ha! That's my daily existence. That's my, my, I should wear that as a T-shirt. Ask forgiveness, not permission. That, that, how would you live any other way? Anyways, that's at work. That's dumb. Uh, 12, okay. Uh, let's see here. Oh, look at her. She looks legit. That girl looks like she's a drug runner. <laughs> or at least thinking about it. You're comfortable being uncomfortable, yes. You're up for a gamble, yes. You're used to getting in trouble, yes. You're a person of action, yes. You know what you want, yeah, 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 right. You trust your gut. Yes, you're naturally curious. Yes, I am. Brush off failures. What is it? Yeah. Like, I'm a born failure. My whole motto is I can't lose all the time. (laughs) You won't settle for the way things are. Hell no. You're decisive. You're passionate. You're confident in yourself. Can a relationship coach help you? (laughs) Oh, my God. If that's you, call somebody now. Call somebody now. I don't know why we're like this. Is it dopamine? Let me see. Hold on. Does dopamine cause risk-taking? 
Ah, yeah, there it is. Okay. High levels of dopamine. Okay, see, this could be it, right? Uh, boosting levels of neurotransmitter dopamine can lead to increased, increased risk-taking, risk according to research. Dopamine is involved in reward learning and previous research linked dopamine, like uh, the study gambling. Uh, with compulsive gambling people and people with Parkinson's. Interesting. The study found that dopamine levels of a healthy adult led persons to more. Okay, so I bet you this is it. I bet you this is it. See, look, I got Summit County Jail calling me right now. This is how I live, all right? I deal with hardcore, real human beings. It gets me going. gets me going. Can't talk to Summit County Jail right now. Not right now. It costs 18 cents a minute. It's ridiculous. So maybe that's it. Maybe I have more dopamine. Maybe I need to get rid of dopamine. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I'm not sure. Uh, but all I can tell you is I need the fix. I like it hot. But here's the thing. I still get scared and depressed. Okay. Like, okay, so let me give you an example, like right this week. So this week I've been having some uh, uh, dumpster drama, okay? I, I'm trying to be sensitive to all parties involved. What you need to know is I got permission to put my dumpster on a piece of land. I got permission Okay? I want to just say it like that. I followed all the rules. I got the written permission, the verbal permission, blah 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 permission. Okay? I got it. You understand? One problem. The person whose land my dumpster was on uh, was the city. <laughs> Danny Wilson, my man. My man in the house. What is up, Denny Wilson? You wouldn't miss nothing. It's just me talking for an hour about nothing. So, now, here's how it went. The city puts up a sign. I love you, Denny Wilson. You are a force of good in the world. We need more people like Denny Wilson in the house. That's what we do. God bless Denny Wilson. That's what I like to say. So, uh, the city comes out and puts up a sign says, Hey, you got to get your dumpster off of my land. Okay. They gave us till like Tuesday. I just call it Tuesday. All right. Talk to the dumpster people. They're like, Holy crap. Oh, oh. And on Monday morning, the city called the dumpster people in a big huff. Like, why you got your dumpster on our land? You got to get your dumpster off our land right away. And they're like, cool, man, cool. Just chill. I don't want my dumpsters. I don't want nobody to be stealing my dumpsters. And so they're like, hey, we're going to go get our dumpsters. The sign said Tuesday. They moved the dumpsters on Monday morning at 1130. I have a friend who documented the pictures of it happening. 1130 on Monday morning, they moved the dumpsters. The dumpster company was there at, I think, 1245 on Monday because the city had called them and made a sign that said 
they need to be gone by Tuesday. You see, that's how they go. They go Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Monday was before Tuesday, so we were doing our work on Monday because the dumpsters needed to be gone by Tuesday. It said Tuesday. That was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. See how it goes? See? See, I have no... I know how the days go, the week. But something happened, a mix-up happened, or something, or they hate me, or they hate everybody. I don't know what I don't know what happened. It's not for me to decide the motive. All I know is at 11:30 on Monday, the city took our dumpsters. Now, as you can imagine, the dumpster people not happy, not happy. Now, they don't know who to blame, but they're gonna blame somebody because. Blaming is what organizations love to do. <laughs> now, in my humble opinion, I think there's one person to blame. The people that said they were going to move the dumpsters on Tuesday. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we had a legal right to have our dumpsters there. I will say, for my defense, because... Why not? I don't even want to defend myself, but I'm just going to say I was under the impression my dumpster was on somebody else's land. Okay? I'm telling you, I got permission. I just didn't get permission from the right people. <laughs> but the signs are Tuesday. Okay? If they said Monday and they had taken it on Monday, you'd be like, yeah, damn, man, we should have acted faster. They said Tuesday. It was Tuesday, and they took it on Monday. So now, dumpster people are mad, and dumpster people are legit people. I think most of them are gangsters. I don't know about Republic. I'm pretty sure Waste Management, totally gangster, totally the mob, right? Am I right? I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, you don't mess with sanitation, bros. You don't. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm here to say. Sanitation rules the world. The sanitation goes on strike. We're all fucked. Everybody's fucked. It's over. Game over. It doesn't matter how much electricity you have. You're going to be swimming in shit. They're going to just, oh, my God. Oh, my God. They are in control. So you don't want to make a man. Plus, Republic's a big company, blah, 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 blah. Well, my account manager is about the sweetest, nicest lady you've ever wanted to meet. Her name is Gina. And if you need a dumpster, you should go to Republic because you're going to get in Akron because you're going to get my friend Gina and she cares about the customer. She legit cares about the customer. She is so nice. But here's the thing. Gina was getting squeezed in the situation. She's like, hey, you, uh, but she didn't make the contract either. They're placing their pendant blame, right? Some other guy sold the contract, blah, 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 miscommunication. But my poor Gina was so sad and so worried that she was so sad and so worried that I got sad and worried. I'm like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? She's like, they're going to charge us and, and Republic says they're going to make you pay for it. And I don't know what to do. And this is terrible. This is the worst thing ever. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing ever. Gina just said it was. And I was sad because. It was a sad week. My father-in-law died, you know, busy, blah, blah, blah. So that was on Monday or Tuesday. What's today, Thursday? 
Gina's sad. I'm sad. We're all sad and scared and depressed and sad and scared and depressed. Well, I called up Gina today because I got over it. One of the things about me is if I'm ever sad and depressed, all I have to do is just wait. I will be over that shit lickety split. I never even have to worry. I know now I know me so well. I'm just like, if you're scared and depressed, Sage, just sit down, watch some TV. That shit will pass. You'll be up and angry and ready to go in a few minutes. It can take a couple hours. When it's really bad, sometimes a whole day. Sometimes I'm scared and depressed for a whole day. <laughs> well, I called Gina because I'm like, I got to call Gina and see if how Gina's feeling. I'm worried about my friend Gina. So I called Gina and I'm like, Gina, how are you doing? She's like, oh, well, you know, they're not really talking to me and I don't know. And they're, you know, and now it's to the general manager. And I'm like, Gina, what kind of money are we talking here? She said, well, the city said. It, you know, they picked up two dumpsters and they want to charge us $400. And I'm like, I thought so. She's like, what? I'm like, Gina, no one's day should ever have to be the slightest bit bothered by $400. I'm like, Gina, don't you worry about this is nothing. This is silliness. I usually believe the city is out to get me. I don't even think this was about the city out to get me. I think there was just some communication. The sign that was there on Friday had been taken, probably by a homeless person, and there was no sign there on Monday. The guy working the, the, the operation probably didn't know that the sign said Tuesday. He's like, and he asked somebody, apparently he asked somebody, probably just some random guy, I don't know, probably a homeless friend of mine, I don't know. Hey, can I move this dumpster? Of which the person said, well, I don't care, move a dumpster. What do I, do I look like a guy that cares about dumpsters? And so they brought their truck, and they moved it a block down the road to 850, where they that's where they store stuff. They wrote a phone number and they put the address. They moved the two dumpsters over there. The dumpster people got their dumpsters back. It's not like I have to buy a dumpster. Four hundred dollars. Now look, I know four hundred dollars is a lot of money, but to a company, which is what these all are, this isn't me with a dumpster it's my company with a dumpster four hundred dollars is like a lunch it's a lunch <laughs> that i don't take people to <laughs> much ado about nothing one of my favorite books i haven't read in a long time i should read it again don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff tell you a story i saw that guy speak once he had a story he said that uh he rented a car and i think he said that he rented a um convertible and he was out in california or something and he was and he was like uh ah look at look at denny saying this we only lose when we step away from the fight. That's it. You can't lose otherwise. That's right, my man. So the don't sweat the small stuff guy was all like, all right, so I'm renting this car, and my wife doesn't usually let me smoke cigars, but because I was out and I was chilling and relaxing, I, I smoked the cigar. An ember on my cigar got caught in the wind, fell in the back seat, and burnt a hole in the leather of the convertible he was renting. 
Now, this guy is in a complete tizzy. He's like, holy cow, my wife told me not to smoke cigars. I'm smoking a cigar. I'm, I knew I shouldn't have smoked a cigar. Now there's a hole in the leather. What am I going to do? And this whole thing was ruined. He was worried the whole time. He's all oh, with this leather. What are they going to charge? They're going to make me revinyl the whole thing. I mean, do I have the right insurance? What is this going to cost? I mean, how are they going to fix this? So, you know, just racked with fear and worry for days on this thing. He was started, it was so nice, it got ruined, and he was worried the whole time. He goes to the return the car, and he comes straight with him. He's like, hey, man, I am, I got to tell you, but I was smoking a cigar ember flew in the back and it burned a hole in the back seat and the guy at the desk said i have a piece of paper here and this piece of paper says i am supposed to walk around the car and see if there are any dings or scrapes if there are no dings or scrapes we're good I don't have a piece of paper that says to look at leather. That's not on my list. <laughs> the guy walks around the car, says, this car looks good to me. The guy paid his bill. Nothing happened. Nothing. It wasn't on the piece of paper. It wasn't on the piece of paper. He spent all that stress, all that worry about nothing. And I was thinking about that like I'm, you know, I called Gina and I said, Gina, did we lose the dumpsters? Because I had researched dumpsters and I'm like, well, she's like, yeah, dumpsters are really expensive. I'm like... I think your dumpsters are like two grand. I mean, I'm pretty sure online I can buy a dumpster for between two and three thousand dollars. And even that, that's like the worst case scenario. Hey man, they they ground up our dumpster and and send it to dumpster hell. You owe me a new dumpster. I, three grand. They didn't lose the dumpsters. The dumpsters went a block down the street. The dumpster people went and got their dumpsters. They got their dumpsters, and the city says, hey, you owe us for that little trip we made to take your dumpsters from my, from your place or from our place to our place. Isn't that ironic? Literally, my dumpster was on city property. They put it on a flatbed truck, two dumpsters, on a flatbed truck to move it about a block and a half to city property. <laughs> <laughs> they did they did but whatever hey man i get it systems are funky so it was 400 and she's like i'm like i don't care 
400 is nothing. She's like, well, I mean, it was 400 total. I mean, it might be 200 for you and 200 for the other guy. I'm like, what? I have $200 in my wallet right now. I will hand you the $200, Gina. We don't need to worry about these silly things in our lives. Oh, no. Now here you see, Omi is currently at the hospital with your son who was admitted. Oh, my goodness. Now these are the worries. Okay. I guess it's a thing with these kids for her high on Benadryl and, well, he almost died. What? I guess it's a thing for these kids to get high on Benadryl? Wait a second. Your son got high on Benadryl and almost died? What? This is what we do these days? What? Her, not her. What? <laughs> Get high on Benadryl. What? What? Uh-oh. Diffusing the Benadryl challenge. Uh-oh. 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 Okay, here we go. So, okay, I will. Bell, here it is. Here's the Spenadrill's challenge. Let's start with the bottom line. Parents of teens need to help them understand that just because they have been challenged to do something. He kept seeing spiders everywhere. Holy cow. Uh, as simply as it sounds, it's tough. Okay, the challenge in the news is the Benadryl challenge appears on TikTok, a popular social media. Yes, we all know what TikTok is. The idea was to take a whole lot of Benadryl in order to cause a high with hallucinations. Jesus. While it's true that it can make you high and make you hallucinate, when you take too much, it can make you have seizures and pass out and have heart problems or even die. Holy crap. Indeed, emergency rooms across the country have been treating overdoses of this stuff or at least one death. To TikTok's credit, they say they've taken down the videos and monitoring for any new ones. When I searched the site myself, nothing came up when I searched Benadryl. Okay, good. Uh, the reason teens do this stuff is actually rooted in evolutionary biology. The adolescent and young adult brain is growing and changing uh, rapidly to meet the need for their particular moment in life. As teens enter adulthood and become independent, they need to be able to learn a lot of information quickly. Their brains are set to help them do that. All right. Frickin' put out a... Uh, this is a public service announcement. Yeah, the Pepsi challenge, for real. These challenges are nuts. My kid's school had all these challenges after COVID. I don't know, stealing stuff from their schools? Okay. Um, all right, everybody. We need to talk to our teenagers about this Benadryl challenge. This sounds like bad, bad stuff. Bad. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so, so Lock up the Benadryl. Yeah, I guess lock up the Benadryl. Um, see, okay, now, I'm so sorry this happened to you, Omi. I hope your kid's okay. Um, see, now, this is one of these issues, I think, where uh, being... Wow. Wow. Omi says, 
temperature was 104 and the heart rate was 200. Wow. I'm so, 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 so sorry. Um, we have to be able to talk to our kids. Now, I would imagine Omi is probably a very cool parent and is open to talking about stuff. So, um, what? Hey, Brandy. Brandy says, back in my day, it was Robitussin. They called it robo-tripping. Whoa. Never heard of that. Robo-tripping. It's a catchy name, though. Um, we got to talk more. We have to talk more and not be afraid. So this is the thing. We can't talk about drug use because drug use is illegal. <laughs> you understand? We can't be... Uh, not only is it illegal, but if your landlord finds out that you're using drugs, they are technically obligated to evict you. They layer robo-tripping on Benny tripping. Jeez, oh, Pete. Has anybody heard of LSD? Uh, anybody? What are they doing? Wow. Um, mushrooms. I, you can learn how to grow mushrooms online. Why don't people do that? Why don't people learn how to grow mushrooms? You can go on any of these forums and learn how to grow mushrooms. Um, because we have made drugs illegal and really illegal, like... How long can you go to jail if you have meth on you? Okay. This is uh, Columbus Meth Possession Lawyer. Wow. Okay. That's good. Um, some facts I know about meth. Penalties. Um, when you're convicted of possession of meth, you face a possibility of nine of months or years in prison and thousands of dollars in fines. And the loss of your driver's license of up to five years. A conviction will mean a permanent record as a drug felon, which will show up in background checks when you apply for a job or try to rent a place to live. If you are looking at lifelong cons consequences for possession of even the smallest amount of meth. Okay. Uh, possession of methamphetamine is a felony, felony drug crime in Ohio, regardless of regardless of the amount. Jail time of fines you face upon conviction increase based on the amount of the drug in possession. Penalties may be may be increased if you if committed near a juvenile or a school. Possession of less than three grams is a fifth degree felony, punishable to six to twelve months incarceration, twenty five hundred dollars. 3 to 15 grams, a third-degree felony. We're looking at 9 to 36 months and $10,000. 15 to 150 grams. Uh, how much is 150 grams? Let's see. How much is 150 grams of meth? Uh, maybe I can get a picture. Let's see. Okay, here, this looks like 50 grams of meth. Is this 50 grams? I don't know. Uh, 50 grams of meth, uh, earns man 15 years in prison. Is that 15 grams? Or is that just a stock photo of meth? 
I've seen meth. I've touched meth. I've never taken meth. Uh, how much meth is this? I don't understand. I don't know how much meth is meth. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got to weigh it. Oh, okay. This is good. Hold on. Okay. This here says 29. This looks like, is that right? Okay. It looks like this is 20. Okay, here it is. There's 29 grams of meth. Okay. There it is. 29 grams. I mean, it looks like a lot of meth to me. Uh, so 29, 29 is smart because, uh, where was it? 29. No, it's not 15 to 150 is a second degree. Okay. That's, uh, wait, mandatory prison time from two to eight years and a mandatory fine. 15 possession of 150 first degree felony, three to 11 years, 300 grams for a first degree felony, uh, court may impose a possible prison sentence of 11 years. Additionally, you're classified as a major drug offender and may face a mandatory $20,000 fine. Uh, this is bullcrap. Absolute total bullcrap. Because what we have done now is we've terrified our addicted people. We've terrified them. Okay? We have terrified our addicted people that they can't talk about drug use. Because if they talk about drug use, they're looking at serious consequences. Automatic uh, drug felon for the rest of your life. Automatic. Automatic, no matter how much meth you have. Okay? How do you begin to talk about drug use if you can't talk about drug use? Hey, I use drugs. I just, I was just using drugs. I, uh, I have some drugs on me. I don't have drugs. I don't, I'm a straight edge. I'm not talking about me. This is a person that I, I wouldn't lie. Well, would I lie about my drug use? Probably. Yeah. But I will take a urine test anytime you want. I'm telling you, I don't, I will. You can, and I will, I will whip, 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 whip. I will whip my penis out. You will see my penis taking a drug test so you know it's not somebody else's. And uh, you will see that I pee clean. I pee clean. I always pee clean. I've, I've, I, don't, I don't even like marijuana. When my kid leaves, I'm going to really try to work on my marijuana habit. But maybe not even because I'm also uh, a, um, an FFL. I have a um, – uh, anyways, yeah, I just don't do drugs. I don't drink. I'm a straight-edge guy. So Omi says – I've been talking to my kids about it as long as they've been alive. I have one who won't touch it and one who won't say no. There you go. Isn't that interesting? Wait, I'm sorry. Hold on. There. Uh, yeah. So isn't that interesting? You, same parent, same house, one who's like can't stop it and one who wouldn't touch it. Very interesting, right? Um. We must decriminalize drug use. It's, it's, it's a waste of money. It's a waste of resources. Spending all this time locking people up for an illness, all mainstream 
all mainstream uh <laughs> all mainstream uh uh health professionals know that addiction is an illness of the brain a disease of the brain we as the founding city of aa should get this better than anybody kevin says you ever heard the song detachable penis <laughs> no but i better go listen brandy says i think emodium is another one to keep an eye on i heard a challenge there too okay emodium wow uh, there needs to be more resources for parents. I've been trying to get help with this boy for over a year and look where we are. Oh, so sorry, honey. I'm so, so sorry. Um, you know, we, we can't live other people's lives, right? And as a parent, we feel absolutely responsible and devastated that what more could we have done? Um, they're not us. They're a human. They are a fully functioning human. I don't know how old your kids are, but I mean, uh, they're people choose their own life and all we can do is love them as much as we can love them. Um, if you can love a person safely, you know, without getting robbed or repeatedly, you know, or, or, or beaten or killed. Uh, yeah, okay, so this kid, she says, is 16, almost 17, yeah, so they're getting older. Um, you know, my friend, hold on, let me see here. Let me see if I can find, uh, you know, I have friends whose they they're you know their kids overdosed, right? Their kids died overdosing. Rachel's what is it? Rachel's darn it, what is it called? Rachel's Rachel's darn it, what's that called? Rachel's Rachel's Angels. There it is. Okay, here. Let's see, look. So. Um, Hold on. So Rachel's Angels. This is Rachel, okay? I need you to look at Rachel because Rachel does not... Rachel is from a regular family. Just regular. All right? Rachel died of an overdose. Okay? Brenda Cameron... Uh, let's see. Keys to Serenity. Okay. Let's look up Keys to Serenity. And I think Keys to Serenity just got a new, um, office, which is so awesome. Okay. Keys to Serenity. So this Facebook page, hold on, is to help families left behind after an overdose with resources in the future financial help to the offset the final wishes. Um, these are parents who have started these organizations because their kids died of overdoses. These are from good families. I put it in quotes because a lot of times people will be like, oh, well, they were a low-income family or they were in a family in a bad neighborhood. Um, we 
must realize that this is not our fault. Okay? Even Dr. Phil, I remember Dr. Phil saying this. I can't decide if I'm a Dr. Phil fan or not. I don't know. Um, okay, toxicology has to go. All right, take care. We love you, Omi. Take care, take care, take care. Uh, yeah, and Omi's 18-year-old won't even smoke pot. We have to realize, oh, Dr. Phil, this is what Dr. Phil, Dr. Phil said, look, I know that your parents abused you. I know that you were have been abused by other people. I know that you've had a terrible upbringing, blah, blah, blah. But eventually, it's your life. And you're the one that has to do something about it. And that's, I mean, I felt like what the person I heard him talking to said it in a very, I thought he said it in a, in a, in a, in a, compassionate way you know and so um i no that's i don't want the love one i want the care one there we go um we just do the best we can and The problem is we're oftentimes faced with, you know, outsiders that are like, oh, you need to be a better parent or, you know, those people need to, your friends, Sage, need to stop doing drugs. And I'm like, it's not on me. All that's on me is to love and care for them as much as I'm able. I got to run because I have a uh, meeting and I... So I'm going to be a few minutes early. So anyways, I love you. Stay strong. Um, you're amazing. You are the people that um, inspire me to keep fighting because you're absolutely, totally incredible. And I'm so thankful that you are in my life. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to Sage and the Houseless Movement, a weekly show dedicated to the news and views of the homeless locally and worldwide.